we have a whole squad that can really hoop and get the job done. We got our way to win. It's simple for us. The first team ever in the 74-year history of the NBA to come back from being down 3-1 twice in the same playoffs. Nuggets down one into Murray. Here we go. Ten seconds. Murray to Jokic. Jokic. What's up, y'all? It's your girl, Jenna Garcia, back with another episode of the Chicken Nuggets podcast. Super hyped, super tired. Um, Took me a minute to get up and actually record this because I went to bed so late after game five where the Nuggets got a massive win against the Suns. This series has been so much fun. Let's just like pause and enjoy it. Because this has been really good basketball, no matter who's playing for both teams, right? But most importantly, your Denver Nuggets are 6-0 at home, baby. The postseason, that home court advantage is absolutely coming in to effect. It's been important for this team. Way to show up, Nuggets Nation, to Ball Arena. Show out. It was loud AF in there last night. I was very interested to see if Nuggets fans matched Suns fans from games two and or excuse me three and four because games game four sounded outrageous and I was just watching on TV but it sounded out of this world loud in there and obviously you know like everything that went down with Joker in game four and the crowd and Ishbia it felt like it was just so intense, and I talked to Katie Wingy, who was there, and um, a couple other of the reporters who actually went to those games, and they felt the exact same way. They were like, oh, it felt like a massive, intense um, arena at the time of all that happening. It felt way more intense than it probably felt on TV, and I didn't really think it was all that big of a deal. I was, like, annoyed with Ishbia, but... I guess they said like it felt like the focal point of the night that night. So that's just how intense it was in their arena. And we gave it right back to them in game five. So excited to see where this team goes from here. But first, before we get into all the breakdowns and all, you know, my thoughts on game five, I got to remind you all that today's podcast is brought to you by BetStamp. BetStamp is an app that you can download. If you like to bet on sports, you need to download this app. It helps you check different lines all in one place. So if you're trying to bet on a baseball game, you can see who's offering the best odds for your bet across all sports books. It also keeps track of your bets so that you can make sure that you're being a responsible better and not just throwing money away like the majority of bettors I know do. You have so many apps that you don't even know where you've bet on things or you maybe have duplicated bets in different apps. This app will keep track of all of it. Betstamp keeps track of all of your sports books. You can link them to Betstamp and they will tell you how much money you got in there, what bets you've taken, how what your win percentage is in that on that book versus another book and the best odds in town. You're going to want to download it today and when you do use promo code jenna g that's j-e-n-a-g for a special offer without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop 
Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Tons to talk about from this game. First off, let's start pregame because I'm 2-0 when I talk shit to Tori Craig pregame. Tori and I built a very good relationship while he was here in Denver. We've stayed in touch over his time, you know, going from Phoenix, then he went to the Bucks, then he came back to Phoenix. And anytime he comes back to Denver, he makes sure to say, what's up? Say hello. How's it going? This is the second time this series that I've gotten a chance to chat up, chat him up before the game and talk some shit. Game one, I believe, I told him, I know you're scared of this team, boy. And he said, he's he laughed it off, you know, and acted like he wasn't, but I know he's scared. He's told me how unstoppable Joker is, you know, in other conversations that we've had. So I knew that he, he knows, he knows. And he's barely getting any minutes in this series, which is kind of interesting. But talk shit again last night, and look at what... The Nuggets do. The Nuggets are 2-0. and When I talk shit to Tory Craig pregame, I got in his head. I really want some credit for that. <laughs> um, also pregame, Joker runs over, leaves the court. As he's leaving the court, he takes a ball with him, which he almost, I mean, I've never seen him take a ball with him. Usually, they where they're warming up, they leave the balls there for the next guy warming up. Well, Joker takes the ball over with him as he's exiting the court and hands it to Matt Ishbia, who, by the way, brought his homeboy from Michigan State, Mel Tucker, to the game. If anybody here is a Colorado fan, and a fan of all Colorado sports, you know that Coloradans hate Mel Tucker. Hate Mel Tucker. Mel Tucker was the coach up at CU, and he up and bounced, like, with no notice, we're talking like an eight-hour difference. He was in a meeting at 8 a.m. with CU staff, and then by, I don't know, 6 p.m., he was on a PJ and already arrived in Michigan and bounced to Michigan State. So CU fans, Colorado fans, Mel Tucker is like dead to us, right? And Matt Ishbiel walks into this gym, into Ball Arena, into our house, with Mel Tucker on his arm? Mmm. Trolling, if you ask me. Total troll, right? Also, Ishbia's like a lot older than some of these guys that he hangs out with. I don't know. Just keep your third eye open on him. Um, they sat baseline during the game, but during warm-ups, they were sitting sideline uh, on the side where Phoenix was warming up, which is usually the side where Denver warms up, but the visiting team gets to decide what side of the court they want to warm up on, and sometimes they just do it to, like, fuck with the home team. So Phoenix was warming up on Denver's side, and Denver was warming up on the far side of the court, and Ishbia's sitting over there. So Joker walks over to him, hands him the ball, shakes his hand, 
hands him the ball, probably says, here's, you know, since you love to hold on to the ball so much or something like that, because he's a good, he's got a good sense of humor, Nicola. And kind of laughs it off, you know, gives him a little side hug. Not really, like, real love, you know, but I think he just wanted to, like, make light of the situation. That's what he told us post-game, that he has no, you know, no hard feelings or anything because he would have done the same thing he did in game four to any fan. So if you are sitting courtside, just be aware. Joker wants the ball. He wants to inbound the ball. He wants to make good on a five-on-four situation, and he's going to do whatever it takes to do that. And really, fans should not be interfering. It looked like Ishbia kept his hands to himself during this entire game. There was one possession early in the first quarter where the ball joker and kd kind of get into a jump ball situation right in front of ishbia and i half thought i have like a part of me thought this man's about to get up and jump in there and grab the ball too because he wants so badly to be part of this whole thing so he didn't though thank goodness but that was the only time i thought like oh, okay maybe not another altercation was going to happen thank god he didn't um but yeah, the first quarter, not a good quarter for the Phoenix Suns. Pretty bad uh, offense from them. They missed a bunch of shots. Booker even missed a shot in the first quarter. KD goes one for five in the first. Um, KD, DeAndre Ayton, and Devin all minus 11 in the first quarter. Uh, and then Michael Porter Jr., Michael Porter Jr. I had to go full Lion King on his ass last podcast. You know, remember who you are, Mike. Remember, you're a fucking shooter. You're a sniper. Your shot is wet, bro. Like, come on. He came out gunning. Goes four for five. Thank goodness he got hot in the first quarter because he didn't play any of the fourth. And that has been a trend. It's not the first time we've seen it. There have been moments when they're down in the fourth quarter and they need offense and he goes in the game. But since they were not down in the fourth quarter this game and they were getting contributions elsewhere, Mike sat the entire fourth quarter. Which probably is still, like, if if you're asking me, like, if it was me and I wanted to play, I was on the team... I definitely would want to be in that fourth quarter. Like, I'm annoyed, right? Because you don't trust me enough on defense to put me in the fourth quarter because you had all the other starters out there. And one of my only fears and biggest fears of all of this is how much longer Mike can sacrifice. How much longer will he kind of deal with some of this bullshit, you know? Like, yes, he needs to know who he's playing for. As a player, you need to know your coach. You need to know what they're looking for. Actually, Tony Jones and I from The Athletic, uh, we were talking about this exact thing after the game, that Mike has sacrificed a lot, a lot. And I'm actually reading this book by Chris Herring right now, The Blood in the Garden, a book about the Knicks in their time, like in the 80s and the 90s, when they were a lot more (laughs) relevant, (laughs) to be frank. Even though the league tries to sell us their relevancy all season, the league needs to answer for their sins. They put Julius Randle in the three-point contest. 
he had one game winner and everyone act like he's that clutch he's that man nah y'all need to answer for your sins but aside from that in that book they talk about how after you sell a team on sacrifice for a certain amount of time you know this whole concept which is what malone has been using this whole season telling the guys you know like championship team sacrifice other every guy and you've heard it from mpj himself he said you know kcp has a lot more in his bag i've hooped with him in the offseason he's got a lot more to his game than what we use him for here in denver but he's sacrificing that aspect of his game to fit into what the system needs from him and he's been a huge part and and mpj for the most part i feel like has bought into that concept has bought into that thought process of okay i'm a lethal scorer but this team needs me to also play defense and i'm not the number one offensive option on this team and he's been okay with that it's took it's been a long road right like the nuggets have been knocking on the door of a championship for five years they've been very close you know taking steps in the postseason to get further year after year and get closer to this championship. And for those five years, MPJ has been in the building. Jamal has been in the building. Joker's been in the building. And MPJ has, over that time, I think, we have to give him a little bit of credit, he's really owned up to that concept and and decided to buy in to that concept for his coach and for the better of the team, which has been overall good. Good for him, good for the team, and effective, right? But I also just wonder, like, man, how much longer can this man sit on the bench in the fourth quarter and kind of accept this disrespect, you know? He was a good defender in this game. He had he played good defense. He had 14 in the first quarter. Second quarter was gross. The Nuggets really came out and kind of lost some of that momentum in the second quarter. Personally, feel like Jamal just over-dribbled. Over-dribbled. forced things forced shots he in the first quarter was one for four he doesn't make another shot in the second quarter he takes another shot but he doesn't make anything uh he pulls down four rebounds in the first half and only has two assists and that's kind of where like i feel like there is this double standard between Jamal and MPJ when MPJ isn't hitting shots the expectation is that he rebounds the expectation is that he does other things that he's cutting and being aggressive off ball despite maybe not having the ball in his actual hands to shoot it ever and that same expectation isn't often held for Jamal like Jamal could have the same mindset and should be getting that same message in these kind of moments in games three and game four i wish somebody would have told him the same exact thing like i kind of was shocked i think at the first end of the first half i felt like still scared booker still had only missed one shot yeah nope by this by the first half end of the half he had missed three shots but still less i mean he had only missed four in each of game three and game four eight overall in his last two games so i'm thinking man he's not gonna he's gonna miss one more shot in this entire game and if that's the case like the nuggets i'm not feeling great i'm not feeling very confident you know because jamal is 
instead of going to other things in his bag, like the playmaking, like assists, like rebounding or posting up even, he's still just over dribbling and trying these ISO moves that don't feel like the only thing he has in his bag. I don't know where that mentality comes from, if it's because of the narrative, if it's because of game one and how he went off and him wanting to recreate that. I don't know, because Nicola is the exact opposite of that. Nicola literally takes what the game gives him. And he he owned that in the first in his postgame presser, he talks about how like he didn't come out sharp in the first quarter. In the first quarter he went two for six, right? So not very efficient. He had five rebounds though and four assists. So he's still doing the other stuff on the court. In the first half, at the end of the first half, he had gone four for eleven. So he really only hit two more shots in that second quarter, but he pulls down pulls down another board, two more boards, and gets two more assists in that time. And really, thank God Bruce Brown was having a game because he came in in that second unit and really got some buckets, did a lot of work. He pulled down two rebounds, and he had nine points at the end of the half they really carried him there but that 15 point lead that they had in the first quarter dwindles down to three points in the second quarter more than anything what i thought the suns were able to do was get out and transition they ended up having um 12 transition points in the second quarter The Nuggets didn't have any transition points in the second quarter. The Suns also had four second chance points in the second quarter and six points in the paint, which is pretty even with what the Nuggets did in the points in the paint. But what stands out to me most was, aside from the fast break points, was KD getting hot in the second quarter. Aaron Gordon really didn't do anything on the offensive end in the second quarter, but he also, the minutes that he was out there and then the minutes that Jeff Green was out there guarding KD, Kevin started cooking. He also pulled down seven rebounds. That's six more than he had in the first quarter. So he had one rebound in the first quarter, and he pulls down six more in that second quarter, giving them a lot of those sec- those transition opportunities and, um, and those second-chance points pulled down two offensive rebounds in that quarter so KD had a nice quarter and you're thinking to yourself like at that half like I don't know maybe this team you know can't come out in the second half and do what they do there's some doubt in there there's I won't name names but there's a reporter who who sits by me who straight up said like oh Michael only have to deal Michael Porter will only have to deal with this frustration for another week because they're about to be bounced and I was like, what? You think they're going to get bounced? I'm shocked. And the, and at the same time, I'm not shocked because the negative energy and like PTSD that people here in Colorado live with over this team is outrageous. You guys need to let that shit go or it's going to just show up and manifest in this team. Like, for real. So Jamal at practice or shoot around before this game said, when asked, like, why did you... Why do you believe in this team? Why do you trust that they're going to that your teammates 
and you guys as the Denver Nuggets are going to be able to bounce back from these two losses on the road. And he's like, because we've done it all year. And that's the thing I've been telling y'all in every episode. Like, they have really focused on building championship habits. They've done it all year. And so they have the confidence in themselves to continue to do it because they've been practicing doing it all year. That's the difference between the Warriors team, this Lakers team, this Heat team. Yes, they're playing great postseason basketball. I'll give them that. And they're going about this whole postseason in a different way right there they did the load management thing didn't play a lot of games during the regular season didn't make their stars play because they have older stars who have a little bit more experience the nuggets don't have that option of resting during the regular season because they don't have that postseason success to lean on so those teams can do that where the nuggets can't but i do think it sets the nuggets up for more success Despite what happened to Sacramento, this was their first season knocking at the door. This is the Nuggets' fifth season. And not just knocking at the postseason door. They're knocking on championships doors. They were in 2020. You got the bubble. They're in the Western Conference Finals. You have two years in that five-year stretch where they're in the second round of the playoffs. They're definitely, and then they suffered a lot of injuries that kept them from being as successful as they wanted to be in the postseason, but they've been knocking at this door for a while. But in the second half, the Nuggets completely proved all the haters and the doubters wrong and come out and punch Phoenix in the face once again. Their first quarter was a 24 to 35 quarter. And that it, it should have been a bigger disparity, but the last 3 minutes you had the bench in in the last 3 minutes of the first quarter and they kind of gave up some of that lead. But third quarter you have the starters in the game and they beat the Suns 39 to 25. So an even bigger difference there in the third quarter. They cover a bigger spread. I've been saying that the second and fourth quarter were the quarters that the Nuggets were playing the best in. In the first round series, that was true. In the third, in this second round series, it's been the first and the third quarter. They've still been very successful in the fourth quarter. They're only dropping fourth quarters. Like if you want to bet them against the spread in a fourth quarter, they'll still cover that spread because they're only losing it by like a point or two, a bucket, you know, two points. So. They're still having great fourth quarters, but the first and the third have been a lot stronger in this series because the starters have been better and the bench has been worse in this series, which I don't think we need to like harp on. I think it's it's been a theme all year that we've harped on, but it is also about the matchup. Like the matchup in the first round worked for the bench. The matchup in this second round has been harder despite the fact that the Suns don't have a bench. They're playing their starters against the Nuggets bench most of those minutes. The, the bench is having to guard Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, who play, like, the entire game. I don't know how they're not tired yet. Uh, they're if, they, if the Suns win this series, though, they're definitely getting bounced in the next round because I can't imagine KD or, or D-Book having more gas and they just don't have anybody really contributing from the bench. They did get a big third quarter from 
um, Ross, Terrence Ross, had nine points in the third quarter for the Suns. Booker actually comes out and has a pre what you would have to call a bad quarter for Devin Booker. For him, right? Like, he only made one bucket in the entire third quarter. He did pull down two more rebounds, but holding him to one made bucket is impressive. He took eight. Took eight shots. He had taken eight shots in the first half, and he took eight more in the third quarter. And... No, excuse me. He had taken... Yeah, eight shots in the first half and he took he had 16 taken shots by the third quarter but had only made one more that's a big deal to get that those kind of stops Malone talked about it after the game like you're not pulling the ball out of the net like as a make right when you get misses you're getting rebounds and you're able to push in transition they were able to get a lot more fast break points in that um in the third quarter going from 17 fast break points in the half to 25 fast break points in the third by the end of the third and the Suns got a couple fast break points too it's not like they weren't doing anything but the Nuggets did a really good job Suns got a lot of points in the paint in the third quarter Uh, Kevin Durant did come alive a little bit more and was able to get a few more buckets Seven points. DeAndre Ayton also had four points of his own. And then you had those nine from from Terrence Ross. That was big for them. But aside from that, it was all nuggets. Mike got his last three. One three up. He shot two more, I believe, in that quarter. Yep, he shot two more. And he only made one, but he didn't play the entire third quarter and then he doesn't play any of the fourth quarter finishes with 19 points that's an impressive game from him really impressive game in that third quarter he had a very good defensive stint with only one bucket made he was still a plus 24 at the end of the third quarter that's his defense and the nuggets were straight up disrespectful to josh Kogi last night they didn't even bother with the man until Terrence Ross hit those shots, they weren't really bothering with him either. They weren't really chasing down uh, TJ Warren or like rotating out on him either. They were letting him shoot, and for the most part, they shot bricks. Um, but a Kogi man, yeah, you should feel disrespected, bro. He's had like one point, two points in the entire series. He's just out there to play defense. Uh, I guess that's okay. He did get one point in the third quarter from a free throw, but that was all he finished with. Joker really took over in this third quarter. It it was just an impressive third from him. At the end of the half, he had taken 11 shots and only made four. At the end of the third quarter, he had taken 19 shots, so eight more shots, and he had made 11. So he made a lot of those eight shots uh really good third quarter from him he had ended the third quarter with three more rebounds and six uh excuse me three more assists as well so finished the third quarter just one rebound shy of a triple double he ends up getting that triple double 
And of course, he doesn't care, you know. It, it was a triple-double that ended up giving him more, the only center in history with double-digit triple-doubles. He passes Wilt Chamberlain. And Coach Malone joked after the game when he was told that stat, again, you know, must be stat padding. And it's it's just so funny because he he just knows Nicola's just not even like that. He really does just go with what the game gives him. But what really helped the Nuggets was that Jamal got out of his funk in this third quarter. The first few buckets of the third were Jamal's. He hit two, uh, yeah, he hit two buckets in the third. He was one for six at the half, and he finished the third three for ten. So he did see a couple fall. I think that does help. He also contributed with three assists in the third quarter and two rebounds which was, I think, bigger than the two buckets that he hit. He was contributing on the, like, as a playmaker. Finishes a plus 20. Um, At the end of the half, he was a plus 4. So that's, um, let's see, 16, plus 16 in the third quarter. Really good defensive minutes from the starters in this quarter. And from the bench, Bruce Brown comes in and has a massive offensive third quarter. Um... He was perfect from the line, 6-for-6. Ends up making a couple more big shots to boost his points up to 15 points. And then he gives you 10 points in the fourth quarter as well. And that was kind of the reason why Malone didn't go back to MPJ. I I would assume because Bruce was out there, he was giving you buckets and he's playing defense where MPJ... Get you buckets, but you could potentially lose him on the defensive end. Despite the fact, like, I hate saying that because I feel like we're we're selling him a little bit short. He played really good defense in this game. So, it sucks. That's why I'm saying, like, I feel this in my pit of my stomach. Like, how much longer is he going to be willing to sacrifice with a coach who doesn't really give him that, like, trust him. Right? I don't want to say doesn't give him respect because I'm sure that there's a mutual respect between the two. Michael Malone is not the kind of coach to be disrespectful, but in a guy who like MPJ's mind where he probably thinks he's the best player on the floor, just like all these guys you know, think, um, I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to ask him about it. He bounced pretty quick after that game, which also didn't make me feel good about it. But... Big fourth quarter from Bruce and big fourth quarter from Nicola. He actually only made one more shot in the fourth quarter, so I guess they did pretty good defending him. But he pulled down three more rebounds and dished out three more assists as well. Finished his game with 29 points, 13 rebounds, and 12 assists. Aaron Gordon got you a couple good buckets in the fourth quarter. KCP, unfortunately, really did not do much in uh, the second half of this game. It was all defense. He was picking up Booker full court, which is something we talked about in the last episode of this show. We talked about how, like, D-Book didn't seem, like, tired at all because he didn't have to, have to like, pick up the ball full court and dribble where Jamal's zigzagging up the court a few times because they're picking him up full court. 
you did get a couple of technical fouls in this second half of this game where things got a little bit heated. There was a play that MPJ had <clears throat> where he gets to the rim and he's just he gets a foul called against him and he's getting th- he Devin Booker like literally physically grabbed him by the waist and pulled him aside and nothing happened. Like I w- I was genuinely baffled. I know that there's special treatment in the league and that players get treated certain players, star players get a better whistle, but MPJ put his hands on another player and physically moved him and nobody did anything about it. Like no I don't want to encourage the Nuggets players to get in his into his face or to let that rattle them, which KCP immediately came between MPJ and Booker and was like, you know, it ain't worth it, MPJ, and like kind of walked him away. MPJ's a pretty even keeled guy on the court. He's reminds me somewhat of myself in this way. Like I can talk a big game and in my head I'm saying a lot more shit than that's coming out of my mouth because my parents raised me in a similar way that MPJ was raised and probably to be polite and not disrespectful and to also like that all these people are watching you, you know, and you're setting an example and stuff. But MPJ holds it together a lot. I don't know if another player had that been Jeff Green had that been, I don't know, DeAndre Jordan? Had that been even Christian Brown? I don't know that they would have taken too kindly to that. And he he could have gotten a lot more angry and could have made a scene about it, and the refs could have called a technical. Like, I don't know why it would be okay for someone to put hands on you after the play. The play was over, and this man physically touches and moves, removes, like, I don't know. It was pretty interesting think the league really needs to question whether they have bias or not and stop like favoring their stars in this kind of way because you're just saying like the same message that you're giving Ishbia well you can get away with it because you're more important than x y or z person which is just like pretty fucked up to say Jamal gives you 10 points in the fourth quarter Bruce gave you 10 2 and 1 so 10 points 2 rebounds and a assist he really got to the line in the fourth quarter the Suns players got into some foul trouble in the in the third and so they had to play a little bit tighter I would say in the fourth both KD and Booker had four fouls at the end of the third as did Landry Shamit which is pretty interesting Shamit was guarding Jamal right after this incident between Booker and Mike. Jamal has a massive dunk, right? A massive take to the hoop and and one and gets in Landry's face about it and they call it technical on that. And I'm like, so celebrating when you do something good is a technical, but complaining and whining after the play to a point where you throw enough of a fit that you're putting hands on an opponent, not a technical. Like, let's think about the messages we're sending these people. I know that, like, most of the refs are men, so I don't know if they're capable of, like, thinking deeper like that, but, you know, it just, I don't know. Not not the message I would want to be sending, to, especially in this series. Like, if you think that the technicals and the, the arguments are over in this series, you are 
wrong. Like the game six is going to be intense. And if there's a game seven, I guarantee somebody gets tossed. I guarantee somebody gets tossed. There's a lot of tension between these two teams. Denver had a really big fourth quarter when it came to second chance points. They were able to get a bunch of second chance points, and they were able to get out on the fast break. I think that really solidified it, plus their defense in the fourth uh, really was very good in the second half overall, but in the fourth quarter as well. AG finished a plus 27, Nicola and KCP plus 18, and Jamal a plus 23 on the night. Book did have six points in the fourth, so he was able to get a couple more shots. What I've liked about Devin Booker and what I hope Jamal is noticing is that when it's time for him to pass and not be the main focus, he passes. In game four, when he was the focal point of their offense, in the fourth quarter, he chose to pass. In this fourth quarter, he needed they needed more offense, and there was less attention on him because he was not hitting shots. Very, There was still a lot of attention on him, but he wasn't hitting shots, so he kept being aggressive and got six more points for them. Doesn't work out in the end for the Suns. The Nuggets end up beating them in almost a 20-point win, right? And 118 to 102 is the final box, but a good game for them to see, like, and for fans to see just how the Nuggets are able to step up to the plate, play aggressive, make those adjustments they needed to make. One thing that I think Nuggets fans were disappointed in or worried about was that we wanted to see Michael Malone make some adjustments, try somebody different. At one point in the second quarter, I believe, Peyton Watson was going to check in to the game. I think Harrison Wind even tweeted it out. He said, you know, Peyton Watson, Peyton Watson coming in after this timeout, and then it didn't happen. Uh, he ended up sticking with, I think, with Mike and then with Chris, Christian Brown in the game because... Mike was hitting shots, and CB was playing pretty good defense. So Peyton Watson didn't end up going out there. But hopefully Malone is still open to that concept of potentially needing to throw something different at them. They're still, they still have to win another game. Job's not finished, as in the words of Kobe. Job's not finished yet. They still have to win another game. So he may, may still need to be open to those adjustments. He did go to Reggie Jackson for the like final 3 minutes of the game. I thought that was a huge mistake even though it was the final 3 minutes. I've never seen someone less engaged in a basketball game than I saw from Reggie Jackson at the end of that fourth quarter. I know it's garbage time and it doesn't really matter or whatever, but when the ball wasn't in his hands, he literally not not I'm not exaggerating. I'm not saying like sort of just stood there he literally just stood there and he moved incredibly slow if the ball wasn't in his hands he was not giving you anything he was not engaged in any way on the offense or on the defensive side of the ball I don't know if that's just him spacing out because it's the final three minutes but your contract is not guaranteed here Reg you know like you need to prove in these very few minutes that you're getting in the postseason to some team that you deserve to be still be in this league, 
Reggie was part of that 2011 draft, and his... That's Jimmy Butler. That's Clay Thompson. Like, And he was drafted ahead of Jimmy. That's crazy. Jim Jimmy Butler was drafted after Reggie Jackson, and Reggie is acting like he couldn't still be impactful in those three minutes. Like, We need everybody. Doesn't matter what minute in the game or how many points are up. We need everybody engaged, active and engaged. I was pretty disappointed to see it, to be honest. It was not what I would expect from a guy who's been in the league this long and from a guy who's probably the leader on that on the floor at the in those minutes he should be a leader and he was not so we'll see how it goes next game Thomas Bryant didn't even get in the game so it could be worse I guess but we'll see game six I'm hyped Thursday night at 8 p.m the Nuggets could be securing their seat in the Western Conference Finals Joker did talk about the urgency that the Suns would be playing with in Game 6, obviously because if they don't win, their season's over. So, But he said he didn't think that the Nuggets should play with that same kind of urgency. He said it's the, same, it's the aggression. They need to play the same way they played in Game 5. They need to be the aggressor. They need to be attacking, rebounding, playing hard on defense. There was a point in this game when I turned to Vinny Benedetto from the Gazette and I was like, have you ever seen Joker move his feet like that? Defend like that? I had not. He put in a lot of effort on the defensive end. And after the game, I know that Shaq and the guys from TNT said it themselves. They said that we take Joker for granted. Coach Malone said it. Said that we take Joker for granted. We take Joker for granted. He is doing some amazing stuff out there, y'all. Like, tune in. Even if you're not, like, a Nikola Jokic fan, like, you will be after this series just by what he's doing. And it makes sense that Booker's been the focal point because he's a guard. It's a guards league. You know, he hit a big three. He's not, he's definitely more of a, the type of superstar that the league likes to promote. But I'm sorry, Nikola's outplayed him every game. They don't play the same position and they're not going head to head necessarily even though in game four, you kind of saw some head-to-head moments. Joker got the best of, De- of Devin, though. So I guess because the Suns got the win, all of that is negated by national media. But but in my opinion, Nikola Jokic has been the best player in this entire series. And when they win this series, people will be kicking themselves for saying it was Devin Booker. Period. He had a great game. Joker's had great games, too. He's outscored him. Nikola's outscored Devin in every single game. So there's that. But nobody wants to say that out loud. Anyways, make sure you're following me for all the day-to-day updates. At Vita Viva Diva on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. I have lots of fun content out there. And a bunch of behind-the-scenes stuff. I, I have a behind-the-scenes clip of Tori and MPJ from last night's game. For my subscribers only on my Instagram, it's only $4.99 a month and you get a ton of behind the scenes access and clips from the guys. So and on top of like fun clips from my life, if you're interested and stories about all the fun things that I go through as a woman in sports, again, if you're interested, not too expensive, easy way to support the pod and support the work that I do. Either way, head over to Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. 
all of the social medias at Vita Viva Diva. And don't forget to download Betstamp. And when you do, use promo code Jenna G, J E N A G, for a special offer. Thanks for listening, guys. And we'll be back with another episode of the Chicken Nuggets podcast after game six. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.